We're so glad you've joined us today for this teaching from City of Life Church. For information on City of Life and to find more teachings like this, visit us at www.col.tv. Now, let's join the service. While you remain standing tonight, I want to open up um, my message tonight. Um, A few short words, Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus is in the garden. Um, He is facing the cross. He's facing uh, literally the the weight of the world. And he says here, Matthew 26, verse 39, and he went a little farther. And he went a little farther. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm so thankful that Jesus went a little farther. That he went past the betrayal, that he made it through the denial, that he went a little bit further beyond discouraging, beyond the cross. He descended down into hell defeated (laughs) Satan is anyone here thankful tonight but he didn't stop there he went a little bit further on the third day he rose again victorious with all power with all authority in his hand I don't know about you tonight but I'm so thankful that he went a little further let's pray tonight Lord we thank you for your word David said, Lord, revive me according to your word. Lord, tonight we are going to open up your word and we believe that you are going to revive City of Life according to your word. You have spoken over these revival nights and your word has brought life. And we believe the same will be true tonight. Have your way in our hearts, in this place, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Would you turn to somebody near you and say, you're so blessed to be sitting next to me tonight. You're just so blessed. I wanna take a minute to honor two of my heroes, uh, Dr. Gary, and Janice Smith, the founding pastors of this house. They are, they are amazing. Thank you, thank you. Jeffrey and I, we stand taller because of you and your faithfulness, because you too went a little bit further. We're able to reach higher and reach farther. And so I thank you for your faithfulness. Tonight I came out and I was looking for you in the green room and um, I came out and um, I saw you just sitting there. And I asked Jeffrey, I said, is your father gonna be here? And he says, yeah, he's gonna be here. And uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and just said, well, Kent, he's always here because you're faithful. That's what I wanna be. I wanna be faithful. And so I honor your faithfulness and I love you. 
and your wife, you guys are the best. And then Pastor uh, Jeffrey, um, we, are, we are as good of friends as you can get. And, you know, the Bible asks the question, you know, who can find a faithful friend? And um, I, I hope you have found a faithful pastor in Pastor Jeffrey. Uh, but I have found a faithful friend. And he's the real deal. He's the real deal. And so um, I love you guys. Oh, man, I'm just so happy to be here. It's going to be a great night tonight. I'm only going to preach, uh, hopefully, about 35 minutes. And uh, do we have any water up here? I saw what I thought a hat. I saw a hat over here real quick. I thought I saw a Chicago Bears hat. Was that, maybe that was just an angel making me feel comfortable and at home. And so um, I thought I saw it. Everyone say a little further. All throughout scripture, we see God's hand on those who were willing to go a little further. One of my favorite Bible characters uh, in the Old Testament is Jacob. Jacob was the second born, but even out of the womb as his brother was coming out in front of him, he grabbed him, right, brought him back in. He was competitive. And, um, and, you know, the truth is, is that, you know, when we refer to the Abrahamic faiths, we refer to them, you know, as those that serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it really should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Isaac, but, but, but Jacob went a little bit further then Esau was willing to go. And even though, you know, he didn't always do the right thing, he had the right heart. And I believe that God blessed him. And, he, you know, he, my son would say, you know, he, he was extra. Right? And um, we see that Jacob was extra. And he went so far as to, you know, making... Um, you know, skins, you know, to disguise himself as his brother so that he could receive his brother's blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a little extra. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, do you? And so, I mean, he, he, was, he was willing, right, to go a little bit further. And then we see that he ended up, he ended up um, throughout his life, you know, seeking God's blessing. And so we see that um, even when uh, he had, stole the blessing and the birthright, we see that it ended up dividing their home, and he left, and he's single, and, you know, he's looking for God's best in his life, he's looking for God's blessing in his life, and we see that he meets a young lady. He's single, he's willing to mingle, and in Genesis 29, it says 29 verse 9, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to read your Bible. This is some good stuff. Look at this. It says that he saw her and he kissed her. Right? And then he lifted up his voice and he wept. He saw her. He kissed her. 
he lifted up his voice and he wept. Now, Dr. Janice, I heard that's what happened, right, <laughs> to Pastor Gary. He saw you, he kissed you, and then he lifted up his voice and he wept. Now, how many of you know she had to be some kind of woman for him to see her, kiss her, lift up his voice, and then weep? Turn to your neighbor and say, she was fine. She was fine. And he was extra, right? I mean, and, and he was willing. She was so fine, right, that literally when he went to the father, he said, I'd like to marry her. Uh, I'd like for her to be my wife. He said, you need to date her, right, and work for me for seven years. And so what do we see? We see that Jacob, because he was extra, he was willing to go a little bit further, right? He went seven years. Now, how many know she had to be fine, right? Seven years. And, you know, then they had this huge wedding. You know, in Jewish culture, they would celebrate, and the celebration would go on for days, and they, they would drink, and it, it would culminate to this one moment where the father would, would bless, you know, his daughter and would send her in fully veiled. And the next morning, Jacob wakes up on his honeymoon, and it's not Rachel. Now, let me tell you what. Scripture says, right, it was this, her sister Leah. Scripture says that she had a sparkle, right, or that, that, that her eyes were weak. What does that mean? Her eyes were weak. Uh, another translation say her eyes didn't sparkle. Turn to your neighbor and say, she wasn't Rachel. <laughs> right? I'm not saying she was ugly. I'm just saying she wasn't Rachel. And after seven years, right, you're working for Rachel. Right? You're believing for Rachel, and you get Leah. And the father says, you know, I know you thought you were going to get Rachel, but, you know, I had to make sure I took care of Leah. So if you want Rachel, you got to go another seven. He goes another seven. Fourteen years. He went a little bit further. Went a little bit further. Then he works for his father. And I would have been out. Once I got Leah, I would have been out. <laughs> right? He works for this guy for another six years. And... He then makes plans with his wife to leave. And I don't, I don't have time to go into the whole, the, the whole story. I'm sure your pastors have preached it and, and many of you have studied it. But after 20 years of being lied to, manipulated, deceived, God blessed him. In fact, his father-in-law, when, when he finally did leave, tried, um, you know, tried to manipulate and deceive and, you know, tried to, to scam them into staying. And you know what the Word of God says? It says that Laban, the father-in-law himself said, he said, it's only because you were here that God has blessed me and my business. You see, there's just something about people that go a little bit further 
that are willing to count the cost and pay the price, that are willing to go further than others will go, there's just something attracts the blessing of God, the favor of God. And the father-in-law said to him, he says, because you're here, and I don't want you to go, but because you're here, I want to encourage you, when you go a little bit further in school, we've got any students here tonight, when you go a little bit further, I want you to know you may not feel it, but I want you to know God is with you. He's blessing you. And if you're here today, I want to encourage you that, that if you just go a little bit further, I promise you, you will attract the blessing and the favor of God. If you're, if you're here and you're working and you are not being promoted, you're not getting the position, I want to encourage you, keep going a little bit further. 20 years. He was extra. He went a little bit, where did he get this from? Right, where, where did he get this? Is, this? is this pedigree? You ever look at something, like I look at Pastor Jeff, and I just, I'm his friend, partly because I want to try to figure out, right? Like, this guy's a part of Mensa. He's a genius. I mean, don't ever play any kind of brain game with him. Because he's literally a certified genius, Right? I mean, he, he, he's sharp looking, but how in the world did he get, right? <laughs> Amy, right here, like, what is going on right here, right? Like, is, is the pedigree, is he smooth, right? And then, I mean, he comes to our church and people freak out because they can't believe that voice is inside that package, <laughs> right? It's like, are you kidding me? And then you start getting into his ideas, right? The ideas he has for outreach and for sermons and the plays and the creativity, right? And so you could easily look at Pastor Jeff and just say, man, it's just his pedigree. It's, he's got great parents. They've got a great history. And oftentimes we look at people, right, that, that experience, right, blessing and favor and we look at it and go where, where does that come from where do they get that I don't have that where where right we know Jesus was fully God and he was fully man and where did he get that right that 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 pedigree that that strength that courage that ability to go a little bit further is it pedigree I mean you look at you look at Jacob here, and you're like, is it pedigree? I mean, what, this guy from birth, right, is coming out of, of, of the womb, wanting more, desiring more, willing to pay the price to be more. And then you look back, and you go, is it his mother? I mean, if, if you look at Rebecca, you, don't, you know who Rebecca is? He's, she's not just Jacob's mom. She's the great, 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 and what's amazing is God had set up, you know, this covenant relationship with Abraham. And he said, through you, through your family, I will bless the whole world. And we know that Sarah, his wife, you know, couldn't get pregnant. And we know that, that supernaturally at 90, she, was, she, she had a child. We know Isaac came along. And God's going to bless the whole earth through this family. And, you know, Abraham 
had a wife, but couldn't have, they couldn't have children. But Isaac doesn't even have a wife. So God's going to bless this family, right, through their seed. But Abraham's going, Isaac, you need to, you need to get on J-date or something. Like, they didn't have Christian Meagle, right, in Chicago. It's J-date. It's, you know, Jewish dating. It's J-date. I don't know if you have that down here. But you got to, you know, you need to step up your game. Like, you need to find a woman because God's going to bless our family, but we need a family. And so they didn't have apps back then. So, so Abraham gets aggressive, and he has his right-hand guy, Eleazar, go find his son a wife. And so they're not going to look for a name or a person. They're going to look for a qualification because when Eleazar gets to a town, he says, Lord, I want you to show me who's going to be Isaac's wife, and this is how you will show me. She will not only water, you know, um, she'll not only give me water, but she'll also water my camel. She had 10 camels. Did you know each camel, after a, a journey, like a car needs to be filled up with gas, a camel would need to be replenished with water. They say that a camel would need to be replenished with about 30 gallons of water. So he says, Lord, this is how I'm going to know, right, who is the one who's going to be the wife of Isaac, who's going to continue the blessing, right, that, that you've established with our family, that it's going to, right, through our family, the whole world is going to be blessed. It's kind of a big deal. And so he says, the woman who not only offers me water, but offers to water the camels. And did you know? that a young lady named Rebecca shows up on the scene, offers him water, and he doesn't even say anything, and then she offers to water the camels. Did you know that to draw up that amount of water, that's 300 gallons of water, because the Bible said he had 10 camels. 300, I don't even like getting gas, right? Like, I'm that guy that waits to the last possible, right? Like, my car goes to zero, and then I know that I got 25 more miles, right? And so I try to just time it because I don't like to get gas. Some of you, you're like, you get to half and you get gas. Not me. I like to maximize it, and I don't, because it takes time. Can you imagine 10 camels? They say it would have taken her at least six hours at the bare minimum, nonstop, cranking up water from that well. She didn't know him. She didn't know the covenant that had been made with God. But she went a little bit further. I wonder if she knew that that day would be a date with destiny. You see, God sometimes isn't just looking for a person. He's just looking for anyone who's willing to go a little bit further. Someone who's willing to go a little bit further. And what did it produce? It produced a son named Jacob who went a little further, who had a son named Joseph who went a little bit further. I mean, Joseph, we know him as the dreamer. But the truth is, is he experienced a whole lot of pain. His brothers beat him and betrayed him. They left him literally for dead. But you know what? 
Joseph went a little bit further. He went beyond the beating and the betrayal. And then he ends up in Potiphar's house, works his way all the way to the top. He went a little bit further. And then what, what happens? Potiphar's wife accuses him falsely, destroys his name, destroys his character assassination. And now he's in prison. But the Bible says that when, once he was in prison, right, there wasn't a thing that happened in the prison that wasn't his doing. And then he's in prison. He goes from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison all the way to Pharaoh's court to interpret a dream. And then we see that not only does he interpret the dream, but then he then he manages the supernatural crisis that God was going, right, um, you know, to warn Egypt about and then sustains them. And then not only does he manage it, he causes he causes them to flourish. He does more. He doesn't just save them, but he does even more. He goes a little. So you can't keep a good man down. Turn to your neighbor and say, go a little bit further. I want to encourage you tonight, City of Life. You've come to a church that goes a little bit further. This isn't an ordinary church. This church goes a little bit further than most churches. I'm so thankful that Jesus went a little bit further. Could it be that it was his pedigree? Was it the divine, supernatural connection from God the Father that empowered him? Or was it even just the pedigree? I mean, if you really think about it, Rebecca didn't even know the Lord. It was just kind of her makeup. See, there's some people that come into church and they're, they're just, they get saved. But you know what? The truth is, they're just overachievers. It's just in their pedigree. They're just successful. Right? You know those people that are just like, they pray every day for an hour. They read a, ch a chapter of the Bible every day. They come into church, right? And immediately they start giving 10%. Their marriage is just right. Their kids are disciplined. They make good grades. You look at that and you're like, man, man, that's Jesus. Well, it... It's Jesus, but there's some pedigree, right? And so when you look at Jesus and you go, well, you know what? Jesus went a little bit further, but you know what? That's not really fair because of his pedigree. It's not really fair because kind of who he's connected to. It's not really fair because, you know, he, he's got s s some significant support. And we do that in times, right? When we're at that place, right, where where we're on the verge of breakthrough. We're on the verge of harvest. We're on the verge of a miracle. We're so close. We're right there. The Bible says, right, if we would not grow weary in well-doing, right, if we faint not, we will reap a harvest. And so right before we reap, what do we do? We faint. We run into another guy in scripture, a guy named Obed-Edom. Turn to your neighbor and say, Obed-Edom. If I could have the keys come. Obed-Edom shows up in 1 Chronicles 15. In 1 Chronicles 15, we see that the Ark of the Covenant is being moved back into the city of David. The Ark of the Covenant tabernacled the presence of God. All of the glory of God, the presence of God. 
was tabernacled in this piece of furniture. It was holy. And we see that it was Israel's prized possession. They knew literally that if God was with them, God was for them, no one or nothing could come against them. So the enemies of Israel would often seek right, to take this precious piece of furniture because they knew it was their secret source of power. And so David becomes king and he understands how significant the ark is. And so he's bringing it back to the city of David. And we see that David needs to get some things in order. And we see that the Ark of the Covenant for 90 days, everyone say 90 days. For 90 days, the Ark of the Covenant has no home, has no place to go. And so they look for a volunteer. They look for someone that can house the Ark of the Covenant. And so we see Obed-Edom show up on the scene. Now, Obed-Edom in this text we see is from Gath, which meant he would have been, according to this text, a Philistine, which means he would have not even been a, 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 an Israelite. He would have not been a Hebrew child of God. He would not have been a child of promise. And we know that only those that were part of the Levitical order, which was a special select group or tribe within the children of Israel could even get near the ark. And even if you were a Hebrew child of God, a child of promise, and then within that group, you were a Levite, even then you had to be pure and blameless. And we see an incident where, uh, the, the, right before this, where a, a, a Levite touches the ark and dies because because he was not blameless, he was not righteous. There was something going on. And so the ark is for 90 days in the home of Obed-Edom. Now Obed-Edom for 90 days is eating Cheerios in the presence of God. Think about it, for 90 days, how's school today? Little Obed, how are your grades? All the conversations are in. Now, we don't know what happened. All we know is that this Philistine, for 90 days, encountered the glorious, supernatural power of God. For 90 days. It wasn't because of his pedigree, because his pedigree would have disqualified him from even being near the ark. What was it? We see 90 days go, comes and goes. And at the end of those 90 days, the ark moves back to the city of David. And there are some historians and theologians that would argue and that believe that Obed-Edom and his entire family moved to the city of David. You see Obed-Edom pop up again because it's David restores worship because the ark is back. The presence of God is back. They're there, and there are 38,000 Levites that have the right pedigree, that have the right training, that have the right qualifications, and there's 38,000 of them, and they're ready to do their ministry, to do what they're called to do, to do their destiny because the ark has come back, and they're there, and they're lined up, and they're ready to do their religious duty, 
and they're handing out parts and they're like, we need, there's 38,000 of them. And they say, we need some singers in the choir. They get the first string and then hundreds of them are there. They're handing out parts. And in first, first Chronicles 15, we see something amazing here. We see Obed-Edom's name pop up. Obed-Edom pops up. There's 4,000 singers. You thought you had a big choir? 4,000 singers. Their whole life was trained just to do ministry, just to be chosen. They had the pedigree. They, they, they were righteous. They were holy. They were blameless. And, and 4,000 singers. And then all of a sudden, 1 Chronicles 26, there's Obed-Edom. Second string choir. Then you go down a few more verses, Obed-Edom, the harp player. We just prayed for a musician. You know, they had 288 full-time musicians. If, if people went a little further and gave their tithe, we might have a few more musicians here. They had 288. 288 full-time musicians. They're handing out parts. Can I do it? This, this, this is Obed-Edom. He's in the back. Can I... Can I do it? Let me do it. Who's that guy in the back? That's Obed-Edom. Is he allowed to be here? No, it, it's a long story. It's just, well, I'm, I'm worried. He can't do this. He don't ha doesn't have the pedigree. doesn't have the training. doesn't have what it takes. He's not supposed to be here. Yeah, but he, he lived with the ark for 90 days. And so he moved his whole family here. We let him be in the second string choir. And, you know, it just... We just need to not bring much attention to them because you're not even supposed to be here unless you're a Levite and there's 38,000 of them and just shut them up, tell them he can play the harp. I told him he could play the harp, but he, he doesn't even know how to play. He just is up back there. He says he'll learn. Well, just shut him up, let him play the harp. First Toronto 16, 15. We need someone to praise and thank God. They had 24 hour shifts. They're handing out. You're gonna praise and thank God 24 hours on Thursday. You're gonna praise and thank God 24-hour shift on Friday. You're going to praise and thank God. 24-hour shift on Saturday. You're going to pray. Oh, my gosh. Can somebody deal with this guy? We let him sing in the second string choir. We let him play the harp. Now he wants to do a 24-hour. Just quick, give him a shift. Obed-Edom went a little bit further. Did you know that in 1 Chronicles 26, 10 chapters later, there's a gatekeeper? There were only four gatekeepers in all, in all of Israel. They stood on the four corners and they would, they would stand as a spiritual hedge of protection, praying and interceding for Israel's behalf. They were the gatekeepers of the nation of Israel. Ten chapters later, you want to know who one of the gatekeepers was? Obed-Edom. Why do you give your money? Why do you give your time? Why do you serve? Why do you come up here on Thursday nights and on work nights and school nights? Why do you, why do you come up here and give your time so that people can preach the gospel? Is it because you think that you're holy? Is it because you think that you're righteous? Obed, why, why are you, why don't you just give it a break, Obed? Why, what are you trying to prove? So you got to be in the ark 
right, with the presence of the ark for 90 days. You moved your whole family here, and you're, you know, you're just a little extra. You're going a little bit too far. I know that, you know, you want to be a part, and you want to be included, but you're just going a little bit too far. Oh, but why are you doing what you're doing? The truth is, most of us that are here tonight, at least at my church, City Church Chicago, we don't have the ability to point back. I don't have the ability to, to, to you know, connect my pedigree to, the, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I don't have David in my family lineage. I don't have the pedigree that produced the Messiah, the Savior of the world. In fact, the truth is it's not at all pedigree. You see, the truth is there are people that can go a little bit further because they are gifted and they are talented and God you know, has given them a little bit more and so they, they just have the ability. Jordan could hang a little bit longer. Right? Jeffrey can sing a little bit better. Carl Lentz, right, can preach more passionately. What, there's something in the, it's just, it's a little unfair. It's pedigree. But Obed-Edom had eight, eight sons, 64 descendants. Every single one of them were mighty men of valor. 240 years, 240 years, even after, right, Israel turned from God. 240 years went by. Israel turned their back on God, turned their back on worship, closed down the church, shut the doors to, to worship. 240, King Hezekiah comes back and says, I'm looking for some mighty men of God, some mighty men of valor that will worship the one true God of Israel. 240, you want to know who was one of the first? Obed-Edom's. Great, 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 great. Why? Is it because he had the pedigree? No, it's because the divine providence of God. You see, I, I had to move. I didn't have a choice. I couldn't stay where I was. I encountered the supernatural power of God. My son encountered it. My wife encountered it. My whole family has been changed. Can, I don't need to be in the first string. Can I just sing in the second string? I, I don't need to be known. I don't, what, what, what do you need, Pastor Jeff? What do you need? You need a harp player? You're doing a play with a harp? I'll learn how to play the harp. Do you need me to stand at the door? Do you need me to make some popcorn for our next outreach? What do you need? See, I'm standing here tonight. I'm emotional. I'm standing here tonight. Because my grandfather, my grandfather came from an abusive family, and I've shared this before, and his father would beat him. And he would get in his way so that he wouldn't go into my grand, uh, into his mother's room and his brothers and sisters room. And one weekend, my grandfather got beaten up so bad, he, he, he literally came up out of the field. And he saw the church bus go by. And he followed that church bus by. And he missed the bus. But he kept following and he showed up towards the end of the sermon. He don't even know what they preached and he walked down that aisle. Why? It was the pedigree, it wasn't pedigree, it was the providence of God.
Obed-Edom would say, I can't not go a little bit further. I go a little bit further, not because of me, but because of who he is and what he's done. We can't not go to that second campus. We can't not serve God. Because when we couldn't get to him, when we didn't even know who he was, by his divine power, he went a little bit further. You see, he didn't have to step off of his heavenly throne. He didn't have to come down and get low. But because he's good, but because he's faithful, but because he found me when I couldn't find him. Just let me, just let me be close. Let me serve with everyone standing in this place. Why did Jesus go a little bit further? It's not pedigree, it's the providence of God. I believe that tonight the Lord has brought me here because I believe that this church, not this building, but this church, the people have an anointing to go a little bit further, to take this gospel outside these four walls through music, through media, through film through sports, through education, through business. It's the divine providence of God. And people are gonna, people are gonna ask you, why do you, why do you, why do you give to that church? Why do you serve? You think you're holy, you think you're righteous, you think you're better than everyone else? You can say no. It's the providence of God. It's the providence of God. I go a little bit further because he went a little bit further for me. I go out of my way because he went out of his way. I give because it's the least I can do because he's given so much for me. It's my reasonable act of service. Are you thankful tonight that Jesus went a little bit further? that he found you, that he loves you, that he's graced you, that he's called you, that he's anointed you. It's the providence of God. It's the goodness of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed here tonight, this is a revival service. And so if you're here and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're here tonight and you need, uh, you need a new beginning and a fresh start, in just a few minutes, there's going to be leaders at this altar. And you need to know you are... You are so important. You are so near and dear to the heart of God tonight. We want to make sure that we pray with you. And, but what we want to do tonight is we want to create an altar here tonight. The Bible says that when we build an altar, there's three things God promised us, that he would meet us there, he would bless us there, and he would give us his name there, which represents his power and his authority. And tonight... I'm going to ask some of you to go a little bit further in your faith. Because some of you are here tonight, and you've been fighting the good fight. But I want you to know 
that God is a healer, that God is a deliverer. God is our help, our strong tower we can run to and not be afraid. And there are some of you that are here tonight that you know what, you, you are literally in the fight of faith and you are tired and you are exhausted. And tonight you need a supernatural encounter with Jesus. I believe that tonight is a divine appointment. And I'm gonna ask you to go a little bit further in your faith. Maybe you've been praying for weeks, for months, for a specific need or breakthrough tonight, I'm gonna ask you to go a little bit further in your faith. In just a few minutes, I'm gonna ask some of you to go a little bit further in your faith for someone else that's here tonight because you know what, someone went a little bit further for you. You had a mom, an aunt, a father, a mother, a brother. You had someone who went a little bit further for you, prayed for you, believed for you, exercised their faith for you. But tonight I believe that God's going to meet some people here tonight and that there are going to be some miracles here and that you're going to leave this altar. You're going to leave this altar knowing that you encountered a living God, that you encountered the supernatural power and presence of God. And if you're here tonight, I'm going to ask you to go a little bit further in your faith. If you have a need tonight, you say, I am sick. I need to be healed in my body. I want you to know when I was just a little boy, five years old, you should know with every head bowed, every eye closed, listen to me, the Lord supernaturally healed me. They said I would never walk. I am a literally walking miracle tonight. Rheumatoid arthritis, I wasn't gonna play sports, I was, I was healed because of an environment like this. Because when I was too young to have faith, my mom had faith for me and brought me to an altar just like this. And there was a faith preacher preaching and the denomination she was in actually didn't endorse this faith preacher and said that this preacher actually didn't preach the true gospel and wasn't celebrated and my mom wasn't even supposed to go because this person who was preaching um, was apparently a heretic. Well, my mom decided to go a little bit further outside of her religious group and belief system and felt the leading of the Lord. And I'm so thankful she went a little bit further. I'm so thankful she went a little bit further. And some of you tonight need to go a little bit further in your faith if you're here tonight. Jeffrey and I have been praying the last several days and, and we've been in agreement that God's gonna do miracles here tonight specifically for those that are sick in their body. If you're here tonight and you're sick in your body, I believe God's gonna do some miracles here tonight. I'm asking you to go a little bit further with every head bowed, every eye closed if you're here. Thanks for listening. Your generosity makes this broadcast possible. So if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here, click give at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Join us again for more great teachings like this one.